Welcome to Strategic Insights Radio, brought to you by Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. If your dream is to start a business or nonprofit or grow your existing enterprise, Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. is ready to make it happen. Our business, marketing, and technology consulting services get you started with financial projections, management consulting, business planning, accounting, and taxes, developing marketing plans and implementing them, growing your market through branding, website development, and social media management, increasing productivity with process improvement and automation, and selecting and using the right technology with our business technology strategy consulting and Zoho customization and implementation services. I'm Mike Salmon alongside Jennifer Roos, who is the host of the show. And Jennifer, today you have Kwame Dugan on. He's with Scotch and Palm Private Law Group up in New Jersey. Yes, he is. So Kwame is an attorney with Scotch and Palm Private Law and Strategy Group, providing holistic solutions for clients with wide-ranging needs involving law, finance, and policy. His specialties are actually business law, including startups and not-for-profits, exit planning, family business advisory, insurance being life, health, disability, and long-term care, tax with audit and appeals. He was educated at Columbia University School of Law, the London School of Economics and Political Science, and York University. Thank you, Kwame, for being on today. Glad to be here. Today, we're going to talk about how the legal structure needs to be set up for entrepreneurs and businesses, but also the importance of legal representation for community outreach programs and not-for-profits. Because we all know that not-for-profits, everyone thinks, oh, you know, you give, you donate, they're great, they're, they're causes. But the reality is, is we all know they're businesses. And a lot of times people forget that that's exactly what they are and that's how they have to be run as businesses and how to protect them. So I wanted to bring you on today because I know that's one of the main specialties you have is that community outreach part of the business world and talk a little bit about what kind of things to help them with risk mitigation and overall structure of the business as a whole. Sure, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Um, I'll just start, I think, maybe by sharing a bit of what the vision is and how I got here, which will sort of inform others as to what they can expect and how they should think about an attorney. First off, I'm an investor and an attorney and a trusted advisor to nonprofits and startups. And the reason is because I have been, the reason I'm a trusted advisor to, to startups and to start and to nonprofits and increasingly companies that are either global or going global is I've had to do all these things myself. And I realized it was really challenging finding answers, talking to people with experience and trusted and or trusted individuals who would be able to guide me through the things that would arise when you are just starting up, right? How do you structure a business? How do you structure a nonprofit? Oh, I know. I have that. Trust me when I say I deal with a lot of companies and wow, some of the things that come up. Right. But the thing is, how about you just talk to somebody who, like, who do you call? Mm-hmm. Right. I've had to serve who you call when you just need, you're not, you're not, you're not ready to throw down a couple of thousand dollars. You just want someone who knows some, who knows what you might not know and can point you in the right direction. So I ended up um, raising a fund, investing in startups and the people who invested with me wanted me to work on their businesses because they valued the experience I brought as a, a litigator, which means that, you know, going to court and understanding what, gets you in court and what gets you in trouble in contracts. But I also had, to, I take an investor's mind, meaning what is, what is your unique value proposition? What do you bring into the world? What is your value and how do you protect that? So lawyers really do three things, right? Mm-hmm. They either help you 
uh, establish something of value, either protect something of value or help you get something of value. <laughs> yes. Right. So that, that's really what we do. So that's that, that's why that's what I'm there for. And I engage lawyers and other professionals to help me do that. It's called the brain trust. I have advisors, mentors, accountants. And, uh, you know, as somebody who does it for people all over the U.S., Canada, um, Ghana, and companies that are in sort of all over the world trying to enter the U.S. or going into those places, mm-hmm. it's it's really that's what it is. You know, attract value or protect value. Well, in the case of a person coming up for a startup, right, I know right. a lot of the questions that I get. I mean, I actually worked through this yesterday, ironically, with a client. He came on board and he went to hire my firm. And he was like, I want to go forward with the marketing program. But the man had no name to his company. He has no website. He's not registered anywhere. But he's got products and he's selling them illegally. And he'd like to market them. Right. So before <laughs> I could even agree to doing anything like this, I actually had to go back and say, hey, wait a second. We need to talk now about actually making you legal. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, well, you know what, though? I'll, I'll give that. I'll, I give those people credit because I do think... There's the other extreme, right? This is somebody who's gone pretty far, hasn't, you know, papered, mm-hmm. if you will, is his, his business. But I I also get people who want to come and, and sort of register everything and and, and protect and register all the uh, registered entity, which is fine. They want to, you know, pay for trademarks, want to sort of uh, apply for patents. And honestly, I tell people, go figure it out, make some money, then come back. I'm one of the lawyers who will tell you, don't hire a lawyer first. Right. Get an accountant, get <laughs> someone who can help you understand the numbers before you drop money on somebody like me. I'm look, I'm, I, I provide value, but I only provide value if there's something of value to protect or something of value to attract or something of value to, you know, to, to extract because it's been taken from you. So it, from the standpoint of value, if someone's going to you for a trademark, how do you define value of that trademark? So say someone comes and they really do want a trademark or, or for their branding purposes. What are some of the questions that you ask them to establish the value that they have of whether you're going to move forward with them or not? First, I'd like to understand, and honestly, with every business, regardless of um, what it needs they have is, what's your your vision? And once I understand your vision, then we can talk about what is going to go into that vision. So what I try to understand first is what have you been using so far and where did they come from? Because some people take things off the Internet (laughs) and start using it as logos. Unfortunately, you might not own any rights to that part, to to, to what you've created. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, you haven't created anything. You may not have any rights to it. And in fact, you might be violating somebody else's rights and it can get very expensive. Now, if you're small, yeah, you know, you're not, no one's going to pay attention to you. But if you're planning, again, what's your what's your vision? The vision is to scale and grow. This is something we got to take care of. Now, what I try to figure out is what is the vision? What have you done to this point? Is there anything worth protecting? Then we can look at whether it's a trademark, right? You have a logo, design, symbol, phrases, or names, something unique that's individual to you. And if that's the case, do we want to go, you know, to the federal level? Because you can register a trademark in a state. Mm-hmm. If you want to have a little sort of business that stays in your little state, you can do it cheaply. We don't need an attorney and get it done. Now, do you have copyright? Have you written something, created something, literature, music, drama, anything? Now, those are fairly easy to, to register and they're almost automatic. It's not complicated. 
but it can be extensive. Now that's so if you have, if you have a book you're trying to put out, then you know I've had to negotiate. Like you know, let me tell you a story. I have a friend of mine who's a you know great journalist writing a book about a um, writing a book about China. And one of the things again, understand the vision. What does he care about? What's he concerned with? One of the things that you know I had to negotiate in to these agreements is what happens if you excuse my language piss somebody off in government who wants to come after you. It sounds silly, but I mean that yeah, happens not just in China, but it happens in the U.S. Who's going to protect you in that case? So I actually structured agreements and negotiated an agreement with the publisher to mitigate the risk. Right. So why? Because there's something of value and there's a vision there. So I understand what's what's valuable. I understand what the vision is. And my goal, my job is to sort of protect it and, and protect you. Uh, that I work on behalf of my clients and I'm an advocate. So in the case of a not for profit organization, what kind of documentation or what kind of protection should they have in place that they're not even maybe thinking about? Well, I'll talk about the three three critical elements um, for nonprofits that almost all nonprofits go through uh, that they really need good counsel for. The first is labor and employment, right? You are going to have either employees working, if not you know directly for the nonprofit, direct working for a company that has been engaged by the nonprofit to do something. So you need to have some kind of relationship, some kind of agreement, and and have policies in place when you're dealing with employees, not mm -hmm. just an employment agreement, but really having policies. You know, I was help, recently had to help a nonprofit that, frankly, had not put a lot of things in place that it should have when it hired its executive director and doesn't know how to go about firing them after all these years. And how do you go about that? It's going to require, you know, a lot of handholding, putting policies in place, and then coming up with a way to terminate appropriately. The, uh, the, so that's the first. The second is the, the agreements between and amongst the, the, the board members. Uh, when you are a nonprofit, let's just keep it, you know, the reality is we live in a litigious society. People will sue over many things. Mm -hmm. Now, who is liable, right? You have a board of directors. If you have a board, do you have insurance? For them, directors and officers' liability is the uh, the sort of the insurance coverage. In a in a for profit, you might have key man coverage. And yes, I have relationships with I have an alliance with some of the, one of the biggest life insurance companies. But it's not because I I just think life insurance is cool because it's practical and it's necessary. So you have to think about the arrangements, the agreements that you're going to have with the people who are on the board. How you're going to protect the board and the entity itself. And then the third is commercial space nonprofits do have a lot of real estate one of the biggest one of the biggest uh, landlords uh, property owners in this country and around the world is uh, the Catholic Church a nonprofit yeah. and you know if you look at New York some of the biggest and, and some of the most lucrative some of the biggest sales of properties have been by nonprofits now it didn't just happen right they had good counsel that negotiated agreements that protected their ability to use the, the user property, avoid taxation or minimize taxation on the properties. And they also struck good agreements. So if there was anything wrong, they could separate liability from themselves and, and with the property. In some cases that didn't work. And you see some organizations that have to shut down because of these 
issues when it comes to real estate. All right. Now it's not, these are, these are all sort of separate silos when you working with counsel, but you have to connect these dots and you need, and people need to work with an advisor who understands these elements of running a nonprofit, of running a business so that they can guide you to the right experts or, and you know, they can leverage their relationships to bring on the, the brain trust, if you will, to help you, you know, execute and protect your, your value. Yeah, from a for-profit standpoint, I mean, I know there's, there is sometimes in some cases there are boards, but some cases not, depending on the size and scope and type of business there is. But what I know that as far as employment contracts and documentation and even property contracts uh, and negotiation, those are huge pieces for for-profit organizations as well. What other pieces are important, do you think, that a lot of people neglect in the for-profit space that become um, legal issues? Um, one of the biggest, and I'll say possibly the biggest, is the the partnership agreement. All right, who are you working with? What is each person gonna have ownership of? And we've seen this. So this this was chronicled in the Social Network with you know Zuckerberg and his and his mm-hmm. partners and the Vinkovas twins, and that was then. And even just a few years ago, if you look at Snapchat, mm-hmm. you know they had somebody who was working with them in the early stages, sort of pieced out disappeared and once they raised some capital showed up and said hey where's my piece that could all have been really avoided with an early short conversation with an attorney it probably wouldn't have cost them much if anything just to get a sense of like hey you're the risk if you're if you are using somebody else's resources to create something of value that person might be able to come back and and stake their claim what happens if you and your partner uh, when you start a business, the partners, your founders, your 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 team, if you will, mm-hmm. your your crew, you guys start a, a clothing line and it blows up. What happens if someone passes away? What happens then, right? And you, you look at something like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna date myself when I talk about Fubu, but I you know I don't I know Damon Johns, you know he he's put it out there. These guys, you know, they were all hustling, they're all putting in work, but you know at some point someone needs to figure out, hey, who's gonna do what, and what are you gonna exchange for that because some people are going to give up a lot mm-hmm. to work with you and so they should be compensated but they should know you should have the conversation so that each knows what it is that they are doing and so what i work what i do with new um with, with, with early stage and uh, partners is i walk through sort of what the value they would bring if they were on in the in the market you discount it obviously because it is very little money if any in, in the business mm-hmm. and then you adjust the equity in that in that way and we do what we call vesting, right? So vesting is a concept where even though you, you own a certain percentage of the company, you, it doesn't actually, it's not actually yours. You don't actually claim it until you've hit certain uh, markers, right? And and typically we have what we call a, a cliff. So you have to be there for at least a year. And then after the year, you then actually own um, some of these, these companies. Now, there are other ways to do it. There's something called dynamic equity splits. It can be a little complicated, but it doesn't have to be, especially early on. If you're still not sure who's going to be doing what you want to just at least have a conversation. So everyone who's involved and invested gets a sense of what they were, you know, what they will, um, what they will have, you know, to, to look forward to, you know, and just briefly, there is somebody I met with some years ago who had to start a company of sorts mm-hmm. and he was issuing stock to the, to, to people around him and he valued it at some some ridiculous number and i told him this is this is nuts you're gonna get in trouble these are essentially 
people think they're getting something here. They're volunteering because you don't have anything here of value to, to offer. And you're promising these things and you're likely violating federal securities laws. As a securities litigator who trained in this, that's where my red fire goes up. When people start talking investments and start talking equity and valuations, I get, you know, I just start saying, hey, this is how you, even if you're trying to do what's best, you're selling shares to your family, you have a chance of just messing everybody else, yourself up, messing your family up if you don't have a lawyer. And so that that is the second part. One is the partnership. The second is the fundraising. People mess, mess this up so much when having some counsel early on, when you've been thinking about raising some money to, to scale will really protect you. Yeah. And it's sad to see it, especially in communities of color that I deal with a lot. You know, there's a lack of access sometimes to trusted counsel. People who sell themselves as gurus are not qualified. And the reality is like there's 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 information out there. But just because Google is telling you one thing, someone who's, you know, 20 years in the game with credentials and licensed who has a reputation tells you another that's whether that's valuable that's valuable information so well spend I, the money I'm, still, I'm still an old adage of the fact that don't believe everything you see on the internet so <laughs> <laughs> i mean i've yes. heard some doozies of people coming up to me and you know telling me how to set up their business because they read it on wikipedia Oh, and I'm like, gosh. okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> or, or my favorite was when one client came to me and said, my Uber driver told me because they have a business that it's okay that I don't actually file taxes for the first five years. Right, right. Mm. And yeah, sure. <laughs> All I say is this. All I ask people with every time is if they tell me something, I'll say, okay, that's interesting. Cite your source. Yeah. That's it. No, just, just, just go and get your source. If your source is credible, you should have no problem pulling it out and saying, hey, this is from the CDC. This is from, you know, Secretary of State's website. Often it's not one of those credible pages. Unfortunately, they're they're getting it from some Reddit trip. Post, yeah. um, unfortunately, though, that's that is it's fine to go out there and, and see what people are saying. But when you start thinking about becoming a legitimate force, legitimate entity, and you want to and you want people to trust you with something that they've worked hard for mm -hmm. you need to do your best to make sure that you're protecting their their value and that you also are not wasting your time why, why go out there and spend all the time doing all this work and likely get missing a step and and you know overdoing it getting something wrong when you want to spend a few a hundred a few thousand dollars and sort of focus your time on your 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 core competency and that's what I encourage people, and that's what I try to do myself, which is, you know, focus on your core competency. Think about value your time. What's what's the value of your time? You know, I had mm -hmm. to have a business coach, and he, you know, we did the numbers, and the average small business owner's time is worth $200 an hour at a minimum. Starts. That's a baseline. You know, if it's worth $200 an hour, what's good counsel worth to you then? You got to think about, is it, was it worth your time spending 12 hours to figure something out when... You can pay an expert to do it in three and, and get it right. Well, that was just the big thing. I just had a conversation with one of my clients this past week, and we were discussing their business structure and how one of the issues is, is he's been in business for a while but has never put out anything in properly. And the IRS just sent him his first notice. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know that one. And so it became one of those things where – 
all right, we got to fix this issue and let's get everything put properly. Go back, fix it and fix your previous IRS information. And we will re, you know, we'll resend into the IRS with the proper structure and setup. And it's not a problem to do that, but you've got to do it correctly. And this would, and he will still pay a penalty, but oh, at yeah. least he won't get lose everything, possibly. All right. Possibly. But, possibly. Right. <laughs> well, it depends on how much is at stake, right? Yeah. Um, like, look, if if you've got, look, you got to think about what you've, uh, how much you have at stake. If you have a lot of stake, then or, or something at stake, then you you want to invest in, in 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 some quality counsel. Think of it as quality counsel, and remember that. Those expenses on on council is tax deductible. These yeah. are genuine, reasonable expenses that you can you can tell the IRS, hey, I spent X amount thousands on legal expenses, and guess what? Yeah, you can deduct it. All right. Now, if you do it yourself, unfortunately, and you can't deduct labor, mm-hmm. your own labor. So, um, you know, one of the things one of the things I do provide to my my clients is limited limited tax counsel. And, and we structure the you know entities in, in in you know tax efficient ways, especially after the recent reforms, tax reforms. It's not clear cut what's a, what's the right what's the right way to set up your business now. And, yeah, I know. And I have accountants on, on my team who you know they're accountants and they're also tax strategists, which meaning what they do is spend all their time on strategy for businesses, and they'll they'll look at sort of where you are, where your revenues are. How many employees, if any, you know, what your goals are, what your estate plans are and help you to think through what's the right what's the right structure. And you're doing it based on some valuable, valid information. They're looking at no action letters from the IRS. Uh, they're looking at what the IRS has said recently this year, a few weeks ago. I'm not reading that, but they are. <laughs> and they can they use that information to help my clients just save even more more save even more that's what it pays and so that's that's what having someone like me and my team on you know on your side is always looking for the edge to allow you to focus on your core core competency competency and that's how you should look select an, uh, an attorney it's you gotta look at them as not say just doing one thing for you but even though they're going to do just the one thing they should be really understand what your business model is where you want to take things what your venture what your what your risks are and they can see around it sort of they, they have experience to say hey i've seen this done here are the things you need to think about mm-hmm. and uh here are ways for us to minimize that risk yeah and i mean i've told a ton of my clients from the get-go that yes you know your product or your service that you have but surround yourself by people who understand the other aspects of your business because you are not going to know everything so find people that you can trust and surround yourself with them. Utilize their services, including good legal teams, because you need that service because you are not a lawyer. Yeah. And you know what? I'll tell you this. Uh, there's an old saying, you know, amongst legal circles, which is, you know, a lawyer that has himself for a client is a fool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lawyer that, that helps himself or counsels himself has a fool for a client. Listen, we have blind spots. So I work with other experts, even, you know, stuff that relates to me, other attorneys um, who have more experience and who know more, mm-hmm. or sometimes who don't, but, you know, bounce ideas off them because there are things that I, I may not be thinking about because I'm personally invested. I know what I know. I know very well, but what's the risk is a unknown unknowns. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the thing you got to think about when you're when you're looking to, to speak with attorneys. And I get some people who come, 
who have an idea of exactly what it is that they want, what they want done. And they're saying, it's all, all I need is this and that. And I'll tell them, well, then I'm not probably the person you want to talk to. If you know exactly all you need to get done and how it's going to get there, there are lots of people on the Internet, lots of lawyers on the Internet who tell you lawyers and they'll do it for you. Sort of you can quote them a fee. Unfortunately, the reality is things are just not that clear cut. If they were, you wouldn't need lawyers, really. Yeah. And oh, <laughs> I, also, I also get the ones that but I can get this done on LegalZoom. Hey, look, LegalZoom is a great service. I, I will not disparage it. I'll tell people, go go out there and do it. There's, and there are lots of things you don't need lawyers for. And honestly, I'm not the one to call for things you can do on LegalZoom. Unfortunately, the reality is, is that, you know, let's say for 95% of people, LegalZoom will do sort of like everything you needed to do. For those 5% who use LegalZoom, the things that it won't do and those things could wipe you out. So. Mm-hmm. It's an edge case. We and what my unique value proposition is. I dive deep into what so my clients are trying to do, understand what the risks are, and think ahead and plan for and mitigate so that when those things arise, we're protected. If they don't arise, in part because we did the things, we thought about the win-win and avoided mm-hmm. those things. All right, Jennifer. Well, we are getting close to the end of the show. Uh, Kwame, we want to thank you so much for joining us. For those that might want to reach out to you to find out about your services, what's the best way? And, and to give your website as well, please. Without getting into the story, the website is scotchpalm.com. And the, the, to help people think about it, the, you, you'll get the Scotch whiskey uh, caliber service, but we don't bill you. We bill you like we're, we're billing you for palm wine, which is uh, one of my favorite drinks out of Ghana. So, Scotch palms to help people remember that, and you can look, you can look, you can look me up and sort of learn about you know me and what I do. I'm on LinkedIn and billable Kwame with a K, Dugan. My story is is out there, you know, from sort of a refugee who climbed up the the corporate ladder to to where I am now and looking to give back. And Jennifer, any final thoughts as we wrap up the program? So, Kwame, you want to just give a phone number so they can reach out to you by phone sure. if they'd like to yeah, yeah, talk to you yeah. today? You know, yeah, especially those. Um, it's it's a it's a new. We use a uh, a New York number for for those who are uh, we're wondering what nine one seven is in your area. So nine one seven seven three seven nine nine two zero nine one seven seven three seven nine nine two zero. That's Scotch and Palm. You'll get me Kwame Dugan. That's D O U G A N. And we want to thank uh, Kwame Dugan for joining us on the program. Also, thank you to our host, Jennifer Roos. This has been Strategic Insights Radio here on Business Radio X. To find out more about Sterling Rose Consulting Corp., contact Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. at 470-202-8659 or visit them online at sterlingroseconsultingcorp.com. And we'll see you next time right here on Strategic Insights Radio. 